podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Buzz Podcast. We haven't done one of these for a very, very long time, but then when there's some quality on and it's the Christmas holidays, I just thought, why not? There's a quality show. You will know what we're talking about right now after the music that's just played. It is The Mandalorian, and I have a Star Wars crazy cast with me to discuss this. I have um, the man that loves the dark saber himself. It's Mr. Cuzzy. Cuzzy, how you doing? <laughs> Hi man, I like the intro. <laughs> All good, thanks. <laughs> we need to we need to discuss the dark saber because the the history of it a lot of people won't know about, and that I think would uh, set it up nicely. Um, but I also have Scott Chandler, who's uh, a resident of the Buzz Podcast. Good to be back. It's been a hot minute. It's been yeah, a hot minute, a, a minute that lasted years, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Every minute lasts very long nowadays with the with lockdowns galore everywhere in the UK. I hope you're it's safe. It's almost as long as 2020. Absolutely, I hope you're safe on that side of the world, bud. Trying to. Good, good. And also, it wouldn't be a geek podcast without the mega geek himself, Dave Horrocks. Dave, how you doing? I'm good, mate. And can't argue with that intro there. It's great to come on here. Great to chat with you guys about a bit of Star Wars. Absolutely, you would have heard all these guys on um, a lot of various shows, Nina's show, or all these geek buzz pods, and obviously Dave's own Comics in Motion show as well. So lots of lots of uh, geeks on this one, and we're going to geek out with The Mandalorian Season 2, but bloody hell, we might as well kick it off right where it ends, because I think everybody wants to listen to reaction of that ending uh, of that season. Uh, I want to go to Cuzzy first because Cuzzy, myself, and you have lots of DM chats about Star Wars. We don't put it on Twitter because we don't want to spoil things for anybody. But, <laughs> you know, the conversations from your side go deep sometimes with these because you know so much about the lore. That, <laughs> as an ending to a show, was one of the most satisfying things I've ever seen on television and especially modern era Star Wars, because we've been let down a lot. And I think this was epic. I think epic's the right word. That's that's a good word. I think it brought me back. It brought, it brought childhood back, definitely. So it brought you back to being a little kid, 10-year-old maybe, and just being in awe of what you're seeing on the television. Um, I haven't felt that since the Rogue One um, end scene in the cinema. <laughs> since it Darth awesome. Vader, yep, 
Exactly. And that was just something else because it was actually in the cinema, but this was for for small for the small screen, this was something else. Um and so my main takeaway from that scene was that it was really the Disney Star Wars redemption episode or scene, you know. Um anyone who was a fan of, of well most people who are fans of Luke Skywalker thought that the you know the um the the latest sequel, especially the second one, um, really did Luke Skywalker a disservice and there's a lot of angry fans. Um, I think this this helped to sort of reverse that, and um, yeah, it was it was something else. I mean, it's 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 hard to find the words to sort of describe the feeling, um, but I was on the edge of my seat, mate. Mate, <laughs> I mean, taking that in, flipping that. <laughs> Dave, how surprised were you to see, you know, the the man that the original three were really built around, Luke, turn up in this because. They kept it so quiet. This was unbelievably kept quiet. I mean, usually these things leak out, you know, in the modern era. This is this was a year's worth. I mean, he said himself, Mark Hamill, that a year he'd been he did he'd shot that a year ago. Yeah, and to be honest, I, when I was a kid, right, I had the old Betamax uh, before before the VHS and <laughs> Star Wars, A New Hope, as it's called now, but Star Wars at the time was just on repeat. It was that and the, very occasionally a bit of Superman 1 and 2, but mostly it was Star Wars. And then I actually watched them slightly out of order. So I watched Return of the Jedi at the cinema. I was there in a massive queue. I remember it was a sunny day. Uh, it felt like I was there for hours, but I was probably just a little shit of a kid and just impatient. I was probably there for like 10 minutes. And I know Return of the Jedi gets a lot of stick, but I loved it. That whole cinema experience, and I could not be a bigger Star Wars fan. Getting into the prequels, obviously a little bit rocky there. The sequels, bit rocky again. And to be honest, the prequels now look good compared to the sequels. Well, I'm <laughs> going to come to that because... For me, they look great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> leading up to Rise of Skywalker, I was waiting for this payoff because I'd heard the the stories that George Lucas had this all mapped out. It was nine chapters, even though it doesn't stand up to much scrutiny. It's like really the whole Luke Leia thing. You had that all mapped out, but when it got to Rise of Skywalker, I was expecting this massive payoff. And for me, it was just a huge disappointment because I thought I didn't need to watch. I didn't need to invest my whole life, really, into this story, waiting for this moment. I could have just watched that as a standalone movie. And if I did watch it as a standalone movie, I'd have probably enjoyed it more. This, though, this is that payoff I was waiting for. This is, like you say, in that OG trilogy, it was all about Luke Skywalker, really. I know he's a bit whiny and a new hope, but... We all loved him, didn't we? And leading up to this moment, we thought that there was a Jedi going to come. There's probably a bit of speculation. It could have been a couple of other people. And at the time, leading up to this episode, I'm thinking, you know what? Don't make it about the Skywalkers. We've done the Skywalkers. I don't need to see it. Make it someone else. Make this something different from the movies. So don't make it Luke Skywalker. Next minute, when when it's obvious it's Luke, it's like, Fucking hell! I didn't know I wanted this as much as I did. I was such a hypocrite about it. And honestly, I, I fanboyed out about it. And this makes, I think, everything that we've seen before just that bit better. Because you've got that payoff. And yeah, I think, honestly, this is the best thing that's been on TV for a long time. 
yeah, it's it was built up so well towards that end of that last episode, Scott. Who who else could it have been there, Scott? I think Dave's saying there, hinting there, it could have been a couple of other Jedi's. Do you do you know who or, or do you have any names in mind that you thought it could have been? Well, because Dave Filoni and you know, as Dave and Cousy mentioned, the, the payoffs are coming, and the payoffs are coming because of who's in charge. You know, it's not just John Favreau who's a great director, but you know, really the lore of Star Wars has been trusted to Dave Filoni. You know, it kind of got passed down from George Lucas, and Dave Filoni's been you know the executive producers, and his involvement with Star Wars, Clone Wars, and Rebels. You know, is kind of yeah, he's, he's this. basically a disciple, isn't he? He's a George exactly. Lucas disciple, basically. Yeah, I mean. I mean, he, now he's almost like Moses. He's coming down from the mountain with the stone tablets, and he's got, you know, he's got, you know, he's got the word of the Lord on, on these tablets, and he's given us the, you know, the myth, the mythology. But he's, he's for me the biggest driving factor behind why Mandalorian has been so successful is because it's it's the storytelling. You know, so many people were disappointed with both the prequels. You know, that was a lot of George's problem, but also the sequels, and that was a lot of just the disconnect. You know, and just the Disney, Disney there wasn't a coherence. Disney problems. There wasn't a coherence, and so because Filoni has has kind of rehabilitated this franchise, you know, it felt to me, I, I didn't honestly think it was going to be Luke. You know, I didn't put a lot of time to thinking the Skywalkers would show up because Mandalorian has been separate from that, and because there's been such a Rebels and Clone Wars influence. You know, you got that with Ahsoka Tano and the mention of Admiral Thrawn. You know, it kind of felt like maybe it might be Ezra Bridger, maybe it was somebody from the greater you know, now it's not canon anymore, but it was the old extended universe, you know, from the books, you know, there's plenty of Jedi, you know, some, some of the video games like Kyle Katara. I mean, there's so many different people, the Jedis, because now what they're doing is they're folding over the past five, six, seven, eight years, they're folding in some of these, you know, people from the, you know, penumbra of the Star Wars universe, because there's just so many stories to tell, but to have it actually be Luke Skywalker and to do it in that certain sort of way i mean it really was just amazing it, it was a payoff it, it was you know more exciting and thrilling than i think any of us expected it could be just because maybe it did catch a lot of people off guard i'll be candid you know i'm out here in the states it, mandalorian comes out in the morning i try to avoid it so i can watch it at nighttime you know make the cinematic experience and i just accidentally went on twitter and i saw some things i'm like why are they talking about skywalker and mark hamill so oh, i kind of had no. a tip off I kind of had a tip off, but still, you know, you're in the middle of the show and when the X-Wing flies in, the lone X-Wing, at that point, you kind of just know and it's like, oh my goodness, is this happening? And I think that that's one of the best parts about The Mandalorian for two seasons is, you know, when you see these things on the screen, you think, is this really happening? And it is. And not only is it happening, but it's happening in a good way, not a ridiculous way. Like, you know, if you go back to Attack of the Clones and, you know, they're, you know, Padme and Anakin are rolling around in a field, you get these, there's just so many ridiculous moments in there, Arise of Skywalker. This is the complete opposite. This is, is this happening? And it is. And it's everything I thought it could be and a little bit more. Cuzzy, I just want to go back to something Scott just said there. We'll go on to the rest of the show in a minute, but I think because this is the first Mandalorian podcast we've covered, I think it's going to be a little bit longer, folks, and we're going to cover a little bit more in here. But a lot of people, Cuzzy, whenever you see on Twitter or what you read, a lot of people talk about, oh, it's bringing me back to the originals. But And yes, there is lots of links to the originals in terms of locales and whatever and all this, but uh, and, and some characters too. But let's be honest, the two guys running this are Clone Wars boys. 
They are, they are clone. They are Clone Wars boys. John Favreau voiced Previsla, the Death Watch leader who had the dark saber. The guy knows what he's doing. You know, the guy has is a like you said to me, he's a fanboy. But you know, and Filoni directed that. He's worked with him before as a as a you know under his direction. And what does Favreau have? Favreau has experience of working with multiple directors in one of the most successful, in fact, sorry, the most successful, um, you know, movie series, should I call it? Uh, Epic, I don't know, Avengers? Yeah, franchise, (laughs) you know, he's worked with the best. He knows how you need multiple directors working together to be able to tell a story over movies. But he's now doing that within a series, and if you haven't seen The Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels, I would suggest that this show would mean a lot more to you if you had, because I'm telling you now, this show legitimizes Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels as part of Star Wars. It legitimizes. If you think it's just a cartoon, you're kidding yourselves. You really are, because... So many of these characters and so many of the hints and stuff that they're doing in Mandalorian, like my kids will go watch season one, two again, and they'll be like, what the heck? What? I didn't get that before. I get it now. But, you know, the fact that the Darksaber was started by a Mandalorian Jedi, things like that, you know, those things you won't know. You won't pick up. Do you get what I mean? They, they hint it at the end that, you know, it's taken, I think it's inside the, the Clone Wars. He's, he just says it, we, we, we reclaimed it back from, you know, the Jedi Temple, the Vizsla family, didn't they? And stuff like that. But yeah. it, how it then ends up with Bokus, and I'm going to get to that in, in Star Wars Rebels soon. But those things you won't know, but it's all in there because uh, Moff Gideon's saying it, isn't he? He says it, oh, it was hers before. So the, all these things you wouldn't know of, but you'll get to know if you watch those shows and how, I mean, for me, that's, that's powerful because I, I, I was so blown away by Clone Wars and, and I, I'm, I'm getting done by, you know, Star Wars Rebels. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it? Cause you've got to watch those two shows, right? To do this, this show properly. Yeah. I mean, you, you you can just as as you mentioned you can just tell they're fanboys and the the writing in in Clone Wars is is fantastic. So soon as I knew that Filoni was going to be involved in this, you just knew that the writing would be great. And Favreau was always a good writer. And didn't he direct? Did he direct the first Iron Man film or or the first two Iron Man? Both films? two, yeah, both first two, yeah. yeah. So just that combination just you know just gave me reassurance really that it wasn't going to be you know just sort of a haphazard plot. You know, it was going to be knitted and it was going to make sense. And and I expected it to sort of flow and be intertwined with Clone Wars and perhaps Rebels as well. So I just I just had that expectation. But I would I would recommend any Star Wars fan to that hasn't watched the animated series to watch them because they're really good. I mean, there's a lot to get through, um, and you perhaps don't have to watch every single episode, but um, it's really it's really good to watch. Um, it just knits everything together, and when you're watching The Mandalorian with that with that back knowledge, it just puts everything into a better context. Um, but The Mandalorian does a great job in you can watch it without watching this series and still enjoy it, and still have some you know decent level of understanding. Yeah, um, yeah. I just feel I just feel more from a like a privileged position that I've got the knowledge. I've 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 watched the um the the, the Clone Wars and the Rebels several times. 
and I've read, you know, um, books and comics and, you know, sort of previous legend stuff as well. So you've just got that sort of knowledge and you can just construct theories yourself. And it just, it just gives, um, it just gives it better context and makes it more powerful, you know? Um, but That's yeah, it's, um, that's it's, the key for it, it makes it really powerful. Exactly, exactly. It's it, it's something else. And then, as as you lot was mentioning before, you you take all of that into consideration, and you get that final scene, that final payoff, and it's just cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The point is, it's a cherry. Luke then being linked into this Clone Wars Rebel, your Star Wars Rebels type, uh, you know, world, just just makes it all linked together in a you know a proper story it was always linked anyway of course it was but just adds that final link to you get what i mean <laughs> it, just, it was just brilliant and uh, just the way this show's made as well i want to talk about quickly they are using some of the best technology ever to make this show and everything looks so real it looks so like you're, you know, they've actually gone to a place to shoot this, whatever. But have you guys, you guys watched the makings of of this with the the volume when they talk about the volume? Have I, I haven't watched no, to watch it yet. No, okay, so you need to watch uh, on Disney Plus. There's the making of the Mandalorian season one, and it's eight episodes, I think, or ten, and um, they go through, you know, they go through literally everything. They go through. Um, even how they hired Ludwig Göransson for the for the music and how he made the, the the opening theme song, which is absolutely fantastic and Emmy award winning now, by the way. Uh, so the volume is literally hundreds, maybe thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds, maybe thousands of you know screens stuck together. And what they've done is they've made a th- a, a dome like shape of these screens so that they could basically make you in space within a second and they've had artists draw up you know all these things and basically put them on screen or they've done the backgrounds of um you know different places uh you know tatooine whatever they've basically created those digitally and put them on screen so that the the actors normally working in front of a green screen where you don't have any feel, and this is this is said by, you know, the um, uh, the cast whilst in these interviews when you watch it, you know, it was um, most power Carl Weathers especially who I love by the way from Rocky obviously from back in the day, but Apollo Creed and Arrested Development and Arrested yeah, Don't forget that yeah, he's um, fantastic there. Yeah, and <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> um, but one of my favorites from childhood turning up in this just blew me away. But he said he said something important. He goes. Usually you have to imagine where you are mm-hmm. when you're doing this and it makes it your job really much harder. He goes, but with the volume, they've, they, all they have to do is set up the ground in, around you. So you're, whether you're floating or what you're doing, they just do that. But everything around you, though, looks like it looks real. Imagine the quality of this. It, you literally do not look like they're screens. They make you feel like you're actually in the scene in the place where you're supposed to be. And he goes, as an artist, it makes your job so easy to react to things. And why I'm bringing this up is because not only is this show beautiful, brilliant in terms of a geek, in, in, a, in a geeky way for Star Wars, but 
in a geeky way that they are able to shoot these things much faster. You know, they can spin around that background as they want, up and down, sideways, whatever, to make the scene fit. It is honestly state-of-the-art stuff going on in, in, in this. Favreau puts it together, and it is John Favreau. He puts it. He puts together. You know, he's using um, he's using like Oculus stuff. You know, like he's just using crazy things to shoot uh, different scenes. I mean, it's unbelievable. When you watch it, it'll bl- it blew my mind. Like this is no wonder they've no wonder they've got ten different shows coming out. How they're going to shoot them so fast is because of the volume. This thing, and it's honestly, they will be able to shoot so many shows so quickly just because they don't have to go anywhere. It's all going to be done in a studio (laughs) with with screens. I'm going to have to check that out. As soon as we finish recording, I'm going to check that out. When you were talking to it, uh, someone's mentioned that to me before about how they can can do this stuff really quickly. But, and you know, Lucasfilm, they've always been at the cutting edge, haven't they? They've always it been... wasn't Lucasfilm. It's 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 John Favreau combining Lucasfilm. What's the other one? ILM is it, cuz he does real light and magic. Yeah, but, ILM but they, they not only them, of... he does the you know, cause he did Jungle Book. All of yeah. the Lion King, all of the all of the technology he's used on all those films, all of his experience that he did, he put it all together. Well honestly, once you watch and I'm going to drive every listener to this. Once you go and watch it, the marvel that is John Favreau, I'm telling you now, it's one of a kind for coming up with this thing, and it'll be used in the future because it's not. He said it's not. Um, it, it's not licensed stuff. It's anyone can do this. It's not like um, it's not patented or nothing. He goes, any filmmaker can go and use this now. But what he's done by bringing eight young filmmakers, or at least people in is that when they go in the future they can go and make films and do stuff like this themselves and and have this if they've got the right backing obviously this costs money so to have you know kathleen what's her name kennedy Kennedy. behind him in terms of lucasfilm ilm and all that it helps and then disney on top of that it helps but still I, i i really do implore you to go watch the making of how they did this because it is some of the the best things you'll see, and I'm so glad that they're using it for Star Wars first because now, <laughs> believe me, there's going to be so much beautiful stuff coming from uh, from everyone in this. I mean, they can design the inside of of um, you know all the ships they want from the past, and it'll make it look just real. It'll just be unbelievable. So yeah. One thing I wanted to definitely fit in there was how they made this. That was the season one. So I hope they do another series for season two, how they made season two, because obviously they go into Grogu and the puppet and uh, how how he's he's worked by, um, you know, uh, remote controls and stuff. You know, like the older ones, because when we used to have uh, scale electrics and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Shit like it's, that. They're doing it's his arms the... and his eyes and his mouth. Oh, yeah. my God. It's how they used to do the, the for the original trilogy. Um, which is what I, I much prefer that than the CGI. Yeah. One of the one of the major criticisms of, the, of of the prequels is that it's all green screen and it's all CGI, and yeah. um, it just takes away that authenticity. Um, so having that back is 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 great, really. And that I can't remember the character's name now. The one Nick Nolte plays. 
Um, oh, God. Creel. Creel. Yeah. yeah. He's a fantastic... That's a fantastic... The, the way they did him is, is brilliant. And I yeah. still can't wrap my head around how that is Nick Nolte. <laughs> I, yeah. can't, yeah. I can't get my head around that. Voice right so well. Too much but it's... Um, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> well, it's someone else inside the in the body of that. Apparently, yeah. apparently, they found it so difficult to shoot because a lot of the people inside couldn't hear or see out of those things. So it was so hard yeah. to shoot. You know, the, the ones that actually manned by people... They were they were like they were working on hand signals. I think they could see, but they couldn't hear a thing. So it was honestly crazy stuff. But again, I have to say, I, I'm totally with Cuzzy. For me, one of the best things they do, and and it's great. It sounds like I need to go and watch that documentary to find out how they did it. But just watching it without that knowledge of how they did it, I know that watching Mandalorian, it feels like proper Star Wars to me. Not yeah. like this synthetic CGI stuff that we got with the prequels. They're using a lot more practical effects, you know, and all the even the instrumentation that they have. It's done in that kind of late seventies, early eighties style, futuristic style, as it was back then. And and they just get visually, apart from Gene's guy, they just get so many <laughs> things right in this series. Yeah, yeah they, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would say that one of the biggest differences, you know, you guys have mentioned between the, the prequels and the original trilogy and the sequels, and now what's coming out of The Mandalorian, is the prequels have this sheen to it. You know, when you go back and watch the the original trilogy, like Gag said, he's been doing with his kids so many, and it has this, you know, older edge to it. So when you actually use real costumes, real puppets, real mechanics instead of CGI, it, it it's it's visceral it adds a level of reality that, that makes it so much more engaging than just having, you know, what's clearly animation going back and forth, you know, and some, you know, having these aliens that are worked with props and, and things like that just makes it so much more easy to connect with. Otherwise it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like you said, uh, to be a star Wars type of product. This feels like it should be star Wars. And it really, like Gags is talking about the technology. I mean, this is television we're talking about. This is stuff you used to only see. You go to the movies, you pay a bunch of money to sit in a, you know, in a cold, dark room. You're getting this from your living room. And some of this happened, you know, with Game of Thrones and some of the things they were doing. And for all of its problems, Game of Thrones, you could still say, I can't believe I just saw that on my television. And I kind of felt that way this entire time with Mandalorian, all the different planets they're going to, all the different scenes. And this season, they've taken it up a notch with all the battle scenes, you know, culminating with, you know, Luke's lightsaber battle with the, with the dark troopers. I mean, it's just the colors, the, you know, just the visual display is just incredible that we're getting this on television. And it's like, yeah, I said, it's no question why they're going to be doing this. You know, they have the tech to do this now. Gaming That's engines. Why I thought they're shoot. using yeah. gaming engines. Unbelievable. You know, it's, like it's what you watch in games and stuff, how they create worlds. They're using gaming engines, stuff like that. So it's just next level shit. So uh, at the end of the day, honestly, go and check all of that out. Fantastic stuff. Uh, let's move back to the um, actual finale before we go back and do a talk a few other things. Uh, what were your favorite moments then, Cozzy? Uh, I think I can uh, I can see yours coming after what you said about Rogue One. Yeah, so obviously that that final scene is is the like one, father like son. I mean, uh, I was just <laughs> I couldn't have asked for more really than that, that that final scene. And what was great is that it was a bit longer than the um, the Vader scene in Rogue One. Mm. Um, so you get really get to sort of immerse yourself into that <laughs> in, into that lightsaber. Can't even call it battle. It was just it was more of an annihilation really. Um, I wasn't expecting him to make such light work of the um, of the dark troopers. 
um, in Legends, the Dark Troopers actually are armoured with um, with sort of um, a type of metal that can withstand lightsabers, so they're more difficult to kill. So I wasn't, so I wasn't um, expecting the scar that um, the Mandalorian was wearing. And yeah, that too. Bit, yeah, yeah. I was, I was a bit confused about how he cut through them so easily. Yeah, that was. Um, so I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting it to be such a such easy work for whoever showed up. Um, but um, but it, it's awesome that it just showed how powerful Luke 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 had become because I think that was a lot of what a lot of um fans were, were just waiting to see. You know, it's it's Luke. It's five years after Return of the Jedi. Um, he's a Jedi master now. Um, and you just want to see him in 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 full flow, and I think that was the payoff we've, we've been talking about. So that was that was awesome. Yeah, um, I, force, I, wasn't it as well? Unbelievable. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I do have to mention the um, the Mando battle with um, with the Dark Trooper. Um, that was <laughs> that was I was on the edge of my seat watching that. That was that was epic. That was like watching a scene of from, from the Terminator, the first one. Yeah, um, it was. <laughs> That was something else, and as as he's struggling with this one, you can see the others pounding on the glass, and you think they're going to tense, wasn't it? Through, so tense, really tense, and really um, that tense. was that was that was brilliant. Um, well, I, whole... I loved, you know what I loved about that scene was when they when he's punching him in the in the, in his face in his mask, and he's yeah. like a bit confused, like what, wait up, it's moving, <laughs> but it's not breaking because he was hitting it so hard it was going in through the wall, but obviously he was doing nothing to him, but it was so good. <laughs> And then he's like, right, I'm not actually in pain here like I should be, but I need to do something. Hey, <laughs> he's got to have some padding under desperate. that Beskar. Oh, to my take God. all those yeah. punches. I mean, that's like getting hit by Ivan Drago. We're talking about, you know, Carl Weathers in the old Rocky movies. I mean, he was just getting hit <laughs> head in the head again and again and again. He was like iron, but with Beskar. Oh my god, it was unbelievable. Yeah, um, it was unbelievable. <laughs> such a such a such two great scenes there. Um Dave, what about yourself? What about the, the, the battle with uh, Moff Gideon? What I really liked about that, and like you say, you know, we've seen the Darksaber, so to actually see it, you know, in this series in, in live action has been brilliant. And I, I thought the the battle between Din Djarin and uh, Moff Gideon there was, was really good. I like the way, you know, he's got that Beskar steel, but the Darksaber, you could see when it touched it, and it remained in contact with it it was heating it up so you're yeah. like well it's not it's not gonna hold it off forever i, I did wonder if he was gonna cut through that at, at any point but anyway but i mean when moff gideon gets his ass handed to him essentially you know he's still got that smugness about him and i like that from a baddie you know so even though he's, he's apparently got no cards left to play He's still being smug because he knows that now that the now that Din Djarin's got the black, uh, the dark saber, um, Bo-Katan wanted it, and he can't just hand it to him. And so he's again, he's just sat there smugly. He nearly escapes a bit later, and I think what I loved is he's been so cocksure throughout this whole season, and we saw him in the last season as well, didn't didn't we? But when Luke turns up, this legend of Luke Skywalker, he's ready to blow his own head off. And I think that says a lot about, you know, within the Empire, because, again, with the things like Rogue One and, and some of the uh, sequel stuff, they explored a bit of this, where it's a bit more grey. It's not just completely, you know, one side or the other. But, you know, you see from the Empire's perspective, they are shit scared of Luke Skywalker. And I thought it was brilliant. 
Yeah, he's just destroyed um, the Emperor. They're going to be a bit shit scared, aren't they, of him? Yeah. So, um, it, it's, and two <laughs> guest stars. Of course, of course. Um, and Vader, and Vader as, far as, they, as far as they know. Yeah, they don't know, the, they don't know the, the connection, do they, or nothing like that. So it's, you're right, they, he's, he's destroyed Vader as well. And for that to happen, as we all know, is the biggest deal, I think, ever in the, in the whole of the, the Star Wars um, you know, saga. So, Scott, coming to the two characters that we haven't talked about, that the whole bloody thing is about... Um, Dinjarin and um, Grogu. That and I know a lot of people who who were getting choked up about that scene at the end there as well, because obviously they've built these two characters up so beautifully that you're you're, you're now emotionally in within two seasons in two years we're now emotionally connected with with these two characters as much as we are with most of us. I think I think actually let's talk about Grogu a little bit before you go go there, Scott. The memes with this guy, I mean, bloody hell, he is the most tweeted about Star Wars character, or at least you know social media. It's just unbelievable. I mean, ever since his first reveal, you know, we talked about earlier just how amazing it was that they kept Luke or Mark Hamill's involvement and Luke's involvement a secret for about a year. How about the fact that nobody had any idea at the end of the first episode of Mandalorian that there was going to be this baby Yoda just sitting in this little bassinet thing. And it's changed not only the entire, it's mapped of the show, but it's really changed the entire franchise. I mean, can you imagine having Star Wars now without baby Yoda, without Grogu? I mean, it seems impossible. And But the way that they did it, I mean, they didn't even launch toys or anything like that. They were so careful to keep him a secret. And it just shows from day one, they've known how to make this guy special. And, and really, in a show called The Mandalorian, he's been almost the centerpiece. I mean, you talked about the memes. I think my favorite meme is, you know, the people are like, me every Friday, and it's uh, the one of the client. It's, I would like to see the baby. And that's the way it is. <laughs> every week, I want to see the baby, no matter what he's doing. <laughs> and, and, it's, and, it, and you talk about the last, you know, this scene in particular, the, the last moments of the season. To have a show where the emotional resonance between a puppet and a guy in a helmet, you know, and then eventually Mando does take the helmet off and you see his emotion. But even before that, you can have to have this level of emotion and connection to these characters and to the show where you're getting choked up over two, basically you have no human expression. It's just a testament to the story writing and how they've built this relationship. You know, it, it was just, you know, this was Mando's job. He had to, you know, go and carry out a bounty and then over time, you can see just the connection. And, and even when, you know, the Ahsoka episode where she tells Mando, you know, just how, what kind of a bond that he has with Grogu and why that can make it difficult for Grogu to become a Jedi. I mean, that's what's made this story so enriching. And it's going to be interesting to see how they carry forth with him. But to have at least to have this moment, you know, we got a little taste of what it's like to not have him in an episode. Because we had a whole episode without Grogu and it did feel mm. a little odd. It was still very good. But to have this moment, to have this punch, I mean, it was just as impactful, I think, as Luke showing up as, as the battle scenes. All the action scenes have been great. But, I mean, that's really what, for two seasons, this story has been about. It's been about Mando, and it's been about Grogu slash Baby Yoda. And it, it was the perfect way to send off the season. Yeah, I mean, because he was, we're talking about the, the finale. It was lovely to see... That you know, he he connected with Luke immediately as well. As soon as he saw him in the black and white screens, 
he knew who it was, his hands on it, things like that. You know, they just little touches yeah. that they did and the way he's cooing towards like, pick me up, take me to the door. I know who it is. You know, yeah. Just little touches like that make it feel like this is the right way to go. This is, he, he knows him. He's, you know, he's met him before or something at least because he was taken from the Jedi temple. Was Well, actually, no. Would he, he wouldn't know him. He wouldn't know him, would he at all? It's just a connection, know, isn't it? No, he wouldn't it's know him. It's just a yeah. connection, isn't it? It's just a force connection with him. That's all it yeah. is. That's wow. all it is, yeah. And That's I think, um, I think the R two scene just <sighs> adds that, just that panache. <laughs> to, it does. It, it does. Because I think it's the final thing that sort of um, convinces um, convinces Grogu that everything's going to be alright. Because it's a the scene's a bit it's a bit serious, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and one of the criticisms that I will probably go into a bit later is that because it's CGI, Luke, there's he's he's got no emotion or sort of warmth whatsoever no. towards for me anyway towards Grogu. But when R2 rolls in, it sort of you know, it sort of warms up the scene a little bit. And yeah. um He gets makes, excited think, with it, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Grogu does. <laughs> and um it yeah, so and, and it, it's it, it's a bit more, um, yeah, just 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 a bit more warmth, really, and um, you feel a bit better about him going off with Luke and, and, and going into the lift. <laughs> so I just I just thought that 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 R two scene really did top it. I mean, it's two fan favorites on screen at one time. I mean, how cool is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be really honest, R two yeah. is R two's the only character I think that's now been in every single thing that they've created, <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, apart from Rogue One Solo, but everything else. He's literally been in everything, R2. So yeah, absolutely. made an appearance in all of it. Yeah. So just shows he lasts the whole time. You know, the droid is unbelievable. But Dave, yeah. your I, thoughts on that on that scene? I, I was a blubbering mess. Don't mind admitting <laughs> You know, I was like, oh my god, I can't take it. And and I, I've got to say about the music, actually, I, I they've, the score oh has been god. brilliant. But I can't help but feel. When Luke is is cutting through dark troopers like oh that butter, God. if they'd have been playing, you know, some of the classic John Williams score, I, I think I'd have been even worse. I, I think that. No, the, you know what got me, Dave, when you mentioned that. You know, when they reveal him, when he takes yeah. his 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 hood off. Yeah. When they play the John Williams theme for yeah. him, Luke's theme, that got me. That was the feels, man. That was the goosebump. Like, yes, there was. You knew it was him anyway. Because he, because of the glove and because of the green saber, you know, all of that, you knew it was him. But when they revealed him and the music starts, that's when your childhood kicks in. Yeah, that's yeah. when, that's what connects you immediately with the character. Yes, you've seen all those things, but the music, music is so important. Yeah. The music of this show now is what's going to connect not, not us, but our kids, our grandkids to this show, to this whatever it becomes in the future, because it's that beautiful, you know? The whole thing is made with such high quality. It's deserving of, you know, it's finally, actually, you know what? It's lifted Star Wars back up to where it should be. I'm not going to say it's got to the Star Wars level. It's actually lifted it back to where it should be. And that's something that we should credit, you know, Favreau and Filoni with big time, with the decisions they've made, everything they've done. It really has pushed the excitement level. Me and Cuzzy are like kids on DMs, man. I'm not even I'm not even joking. We're like kids. We're like thinking, and we're going to go in the pod in a minute. Or what comes next? Because um, it's per- perfectly written agenda by Scott here. Because we're gonna we we've been discussing these things in DMs. So, but that was really well 
well said, Dave. And that connected with me. The music of of Luke's was ah oh, just an. Um, I think I reround that bit itself twenty or thirty times just because of the music. Yeah. Um, but okay, Scott. Anything else from your side? Oh, Dave, gone. What were you saying? I was, I was just going to say because you were asking about Grogu and mm. oh, Baby Yoda, and and it makes me sort of chuckle because a lot of the criticism, you know, and I heard this when they took over Marvel as well. Is you get fans saying, "Oh, they're going to Disneyfy it. They're going to Disneyfy the Star Wars universe." You got online petitions, write off the sequels, remove them from canon, and all that sort of stuff. And I, I just think with Baby Yoda, they take this idea and criticism that they're going to over Disneyfy it, and they say, "You know what? We're going to create the cutest, most Disneyfied character on the planet, and you're going to fucking love him." <laughs> and I just think it's a it's been a brilliant move and it it just is the cutest thing. And I think it was the Ahsoka Tano episode where for a moment I was worried and I thought Grogu's gonna go off with Ahsoka Tano here. I don't know if I want that to happen. <laughs> I kinda need this wolf and cub thing. I, need... I actually I actually wanted it to happen because I was thinking he might come back a bit more trained and start doing some uh Yoda like flying moves, you know, and, and kicking ass, because <laughs> that would be the next... Uh, I suppose the problem is, though, you probably need a better villain for him to be at that level. You need something else to happen. So we'll go there, though. We'll get there, though, Dave. We'll get there, though. Um, before that, a couple of more things, Scott, about the this final episode. Um, anything else you liked? Obviously, there's a reveal as well of a show. Yeah, the reveal at the end, I, I, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I think after, you know... Again, much we're all into nerd culture. I think we were all pretty plugged into all the Star Wars and Marvel announcements the week prior. We thought, well, that's it. There, there's so much coming. I mean, and they ke- this is another thing they kept under wraps. I mean, it had been rumored, but I, I don't think anybody had an idea. And you know, I I keep the credits rolling at the end. Normally, I, I one of the things I love about the show is when they show you know the concept art is always so cool. You know, this is what we think we're going to make, and then you compare it to what's in the show. And there was no concept art. But, you know, after this episode, you're just kind of stunned. And I just I had the credits rolling and I was kind of looking at my phone, you know, just like you guys, you know, as I was going to text all the people I know about it. And then when the when you see, you know, the credits stop and then you see the footage start to roll again, you're like, what is this? And you see the twin sons of Tatooine and then they start to pan onto Jabba's palace. You're like, oh, what is this? And then finally you start to figure out it's Fennec. And then Boba Fett comes down and he takes out Bib Fortuna. And then they, you know, say, hey, coming 2021, the book of Boba Fett. I mean, it's just, I mean, it was almost just like another mic drop from Disney, you know, from the Star Wars, you know, you know, all the people at Star Wars over there. They're just, yeah, we can just keep doing these things. We've got it now. Yeah. You know, everything that happened with the hiccup with, you know, the sequel trilogy, they're starting to figure this out. They're starting to figure out we know what yeah. people want to see. And, you know, I think we got a taste of, you know, just how cool Boba Fett is from this season and that's one of the highlights of the season but also yeah, we're, we're gonna get that. i loved i loved the battle in the bar from the start of the episode i mean it had nothing to do with some of the punctuation at the end but just to kind of see yet again to see two mandalorians battle you know that's a kind of a foreshadowing you know what could come down the road things like mm-hmm. that i just everything that happened in the ship and but just to go back real quick one thing i totally loved you guys kind of talked about it you know, the symmetry between Luke and Vader, you know, with Rogue One and this. I mean, even if you I went back last night to rewatch the episode, watch watch when the elevator is beeping before Luke comes out and compare that with Luke Vader 
or uh, sorry, mm-hmm. Darth Vader coming down the hallway of the ship at the end of Rogue it's One. I mean, th- those are almost shot for shot. I mean, they are so similar. The the, the tension, the, the intensity, the, the the you know the drama of it. It's it's perfect, and, and that's all the little things, the callbacks, the callbacks, yeah. and weaving it in. That's what Absolutely. makes this just amazing. Rogue One's biggest thing was that 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 Vader scene pushed again, like we say, elevates it. Cuzzy knows this because me and Cuzzy were like frothing at the mouth when that happened. <laughs> and, like, I've ever seen. It's the best thing ever. Like thing, there's nothing better than that. No, (laughs) it was the best thing ever. It it was, and so for them to recreate it and even do the force choke at the end on the last, you know, Death Troop or whatever it's called, that was just that was that was perfect. I thought that was perfect. He just squished him, and again, all links back to his dad. Any connection they make to. To, to Luke, you know, it, it felt dark, to be honest. It felt dark. Yeah. Purposely so, I think. Yeah. Um, which is why I think that they, they also didn't um, play the score during that because no. they still didn't want you, the viewer, to, to actually know it was Luke yet. Yeah. Um, so that, and you had the, um, you had the gang of like behind the doors still unsure as to if it was a threat or not. Yeah. So that, that, that was, you, you still, like, a bit of mystery um, before he he took off his hood. So still sort of need to be a bit unsure about, is this guy a good? Is he bad? <laughs> well, so plus he's, he's still in all black. I mean, that's that's part of the the duality of Luke Skywalker and the whole Skywalker yeah. family is, is they have elements of both. Yeah. You know, you have that. The, the, and I, I actually... I Everyone else wears the, brown, right, Scott? Everyone else yeah. wears brown. Brown yeah. or white or, or like you know neutral colors to have black is something different, but then you have this vibrant green lightsaber. And I went back and compared it to Return of the Jedi. It's a different color. It's not as yellow, and it's it's, it's so green. And you know, gags are saying when he's he's you know he's crushing the dark trooper at the end. You can see the green of the lightsaber. I thought it was you know maybe it was some sort of electronics in the trooper, but I'm pretty sure if you look at it, it's the green light off the lightsaber reflecting yep. off the it black is. metal. It uh, it's just it's just the little things and that Mate, it's incredible is, and that's one nothing of the things, is out of place nothing that's out of place. one of the things i want you guys if you ever watch mandalorian again if you look at mando's armor his his face whatever right basically if you look at him he will reflect everything so if there was a green screen in front of him it would he would reflect the green screen off of his black bit Right. So they were very worried about that, which is why they had to build this volume thing, because now when you look, they don't have to worry. They don't have to even have a single worry about what reflects off this guy's armor, because he's literally in the locale where he's supposed to be. It was one of the things they looked at massively. They were worried because they wanted him to have shiny armor and he's got a shiny helmet. He's got a shiny black bit in there, which would reflect where he is. And if they had to CGI that would be so it would be so tough and also it looks so fake because how would they get the the visuals of where he is? But because what what they've built, it's absolutely perfect. So again, when you watch that documentary, the the thought process that they've gone to, the minuscule thought process of every single thing in this show, it's thought about. They wouldn't miss it, apart from Jeans Man, uh, uh, Dave, as you mentioned, <laughs> apart from the Jeans Man. But everything else, 
That's why the jeans, jeans man's there. He's literally standing behind the screens. That's where the screen ends and the, and, and the thingy starts, the, um, the actual, you know, the stage area. Mm-hmm. He's just standing there. He's supposed to be behind it. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But, again, go check that. All right, that was brilliant, guys. Uh, the Boba Fett show also, they've announced that The Mandalorian Season 3 will come straight after it in December. So two, two shows next December, The Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, both in the same in the same month, so one's a mini series, very small one, um, I think. And then going to that, it's going to be Filoni and Favreau, who also have Ahsoka Tano, and I think Filoni's taking the lead on that uh, with the writing more so than um, uh, Favreau, which is good because he's his it's character. It's his, it? it his yeah. character. And then the Rangers of the Republic as well is going to be Filoni and Favreau again. So they've got four of the 11 projects coming. And I also wanted to mention that they've given Taika after, because he's directed inside the volume, he knows how the technology works and all that Taika's writing a new trilogy as well of movies. So I actually think they're probably going to get shot really fast as well in these things. (laughs) So we could have really good turnarounds on movies as well in the future. Again, all the technology stuff, if you want to geek out on that, like I do go and check out that, um, you know, go and check out that documentary, which has all the directors in there, the makers, uh, all the people from ILM and, you know, all the other technology bits, as well as the cast as well. So, yeah, go and check that. I, I guarantee you, it will blow your mind and really give you an appreciation for how, you know, well this show is made and also really whet your appetite for what's coming because they can literally do anything now. It's not it's not hard. Um, which you'd expect, but okay. Season two impressions as a whole. Then, uh, what did you like the most? Because he had this. Don't say the, um, the little bit again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the little bit. Um, I think main um, thing I, I preferred because I, I preferred it to season season one, and, and I think the main thing is that it, the plot had purpose. So from the very beginning of the of the season, you 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 knew that his mission was to return. Um, Grogu or the child back to um to to its member of its own kind. So from the very beginning, I, I thought the plot had had purpose. It wasn't the most in depth um writing ever, um, but it it's it it just had a strong solid purpose about it. So you knew where it was going, um, and the way they've they've sort of linked in um the odd character here and there, I thought was really good. Um, so little sort of easter eggs in, in, as to what's to come, little sort of snippets on, on what we could get in terms of spin-offs like Ashoka for example um, that episode was also brilliant the, the Jedi episode, was that episode 5 or 6? I think it was 5 um, 5 so, oh, the lightsaber battles and stuff in that I mean just oh, with the best car yeah. and stuff was good wasn't it, it was just it was, really good and then you've got just the, the, I thought the development of Baby Yoda as well and the relationship building between um Mando and him. Um the 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 episode where he's swiping swiping the eggs <laughs> was hilarious. <laughs> can you believe people people complained? Can I, you I can imagine I I, I I you know it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't they surprise him a murderous people. child <laughs> <laughs> people complained to Disney that he's a murderous child. Yeah. Genocide he's wiping out a whole generation. Genocide. 
Welcome, I, yeah. I think Kevin Smith called it genocide, which, which was a bit <laughs> much. But but these were her eggs. You know, he was, was just being a bit mischievous, and I, I thought we saw that a lot through the series. Actually, he's been he was a comedy character, all... wasn't he as well? He's yeah. a kid, isn't it? Like he, the, the, that, that's that's the the thing that was really good because it, it is a it is at the end of the day, it's like a it's like traveling with a toddler, right? Yeah. yeah. And no matter how many times you tell your toddler not to not do something, if they really want it, they're going to try and do it. Absolutely. And wait that for you not to be looking at sort of stuff. Put the red one in. Put the blue one. In. Yeah. Did you not think that was like Guardians of the Galaxy two with Rocket and Groot? Yes. Yeah, yes. it was a bit of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, definitely. Well, he, they even had him with other kids. I mean, he, some of the most times he used the Force in the whole. I think maybe I can't think of too many times he did use the Force in the whole season. He used it to steal the cookies from the other kid. I mean, and that's the kind of comedy of it. To use this amazing power bestowed on so few people in the entire galaxy, and you're using it to snatch a snack. It was brilliant. (laughs) Snatch a cookie, yeah. (laughs) He was a big kid, though. I I wondered. I'm not ruling it out that Grogu's going to end up on the dark side, because he he is being a a bit naughty with that. I thought he was going to end up force choking the kid. (laughs) <laughs> right it's the gateway it's the gateway drug first you're stealing exactly. cookies you know the, the next you're you're wiping out the younglings it's just yeah. i mean it's a tale as old as time exactly <laughs> i i agree um scott from your side then what what did you like the most is it similar to Cuzzy or was there something else yeah it was a lot like because he said you know i I've being a huge Star Wars fan. I've loved Mandalorian since the beginning, but season one had a lot of you know kind of the adventures of the week. But you you weren't figuring out because you have this mystery about Baby Yoda. Where did he come from? And it's just like they were teasing you. It's like, all right, are we going to get more this week? And it's like, nah, not really. You know, he, there was the episode where him and Mando went to the you know the kind of the backwater planet, and they you know they helped the villagers, and it, those are cool episodes. Or you know when they went to Tatooine for the first time, those are. Very, I will love watching those episodes, but it's just more rewarding and fulfilling when you you br- bring the story into the larger universe because it's just it's layers upon layers. You know, it's kind of like how great Breaking Bad used to be. You know, it's it's little threads that are woven throughout the whole. You know, you see this character, you know, in one season, you bring him here, and you just things that you know, things that you remember, and it adds a layer of depth. So to do that. Um, this season I thought was great because, you know, you still had some of the adventure of the week, but it had more of a a tie into the larger narrative as a whole, but also how about, you know, season two kind of, you know, rewarded some of the payoff, you know, that episode with, you know, Frenick in the, in the, in the first season in Tatooine, you know, we saw her come back and to have Boba Fett woven in. I mean, this is a, this is a show called the Mandalorian and going in the most famous Mandalorian was Boba Fett and he had almost no role, but now to give him a role and to give him a payoff that people have been waiting 40 years for to see live action Boba Fett really go to work. I mean, you didn't see that in the movies. I mean, you saw snippets, but nothing like this. And so to have an actual scene with him in battle, him action to why is he so feared? Why is he this, you know, legendary bounty hunter to have that? I mean, we're talking about payoffs. That's 40 years in the making to see something like that, not in the books, not in cartoons on live action. And it was awesome. And so I think yeah. that that was a real high point. And, End of the first episode only... excited a lot yeah. of people. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I think Bo-Katan as well, for those that are, you know, the, the animated series fans, when, when they turned up, you know, she turned up with her too. It was exciting for people because, you know, this is the show, The Mandalorian. If you're bringing these type of characters in, it makes it even more exciting that they're, they're, they're immersing that world. You know, they're really 
bringing it all together and he lived in this you know in this world and he's now going to be mixing with all these characters and where it leads because it opens up storylines that those people are involved with do you get what I mean and and it just brings everything in even more and he's just going to have his own story his own arc but it's going to merge into all these other ones and go in and out of them and and I, I think like you, you just said there and and cuz he touched on with Ahsoka being able to bring in these characters from not only the original but then from the animated series and bringing them into here and re- and you know what that's going to continue to happen i think it's going to go they've got so much material they could do and introduce over the next few you know um years that this could just blow up to become even better the best thing that we've ever had from star wars in the end you know so i just i just feel like that was one thing they nailed the the ability now to grow from this from season one was very tight, you know, keeping it to keeping it to Mando and Grogu, and obviously introducing a few characters here and there, just that with one episode each, you know, Gina Carano's um, Cara Dune, and then obviously uh, what's the name Fennec stuff like that, you know, introducing them and Moff Gideon obviously at the end, things like that. But then this one involving them much more. And not only that, adding more on top. I mean, Ahsoka is going to get her own show, like, like because he said so. Things like that, and then obviously the the, the Rangers of the Republic. I don't know who that's going to be set on, but I'm sure that's going to. Well, they've said anything that Filoni and Favreau are doing is going to link back into Mandalorian, so that they do something like Marvel Defenders. So that's that's where I get really excited because I like that type of stuff. I like that you're going to give me some. You've given me something. Now you're going to give me more of stuff that you've already introduced, but give them their own story so I can follow that and then be really excited when everything gets back together again. Again, he's just following the Avengers, you know, model, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Which is perfect, Mm -hmm. which is perfect. So, Dave, what about yourself? I I just want to pick up on on Scott's point and, and the point we were making earlier about elevating things because Boba Fett... He's been a bit of an enigma, hasn't he? Because he's kind of, he's looked cool since we saw him in Empire Strikes Back. But then, you know, he, and he looks a bit menacing in uh, Return of the Jedi. Goes to tie up Luke, but ultimately gets taken out in a really crap way by Han Solo and then crashes into a Sarlacc pit and we all think he's dead. So he's he's ultimately been a bit shit, really, hasn't he? And then in that one episode, you bring him back, and not only that, you bring Robert Rodriguez back to direct the episode. And doesn't he just take some fucking names? So, you know, you've taken this character, and again, you've elevated him. He's been this enigma before, and now he's better. And uh, I, I just think, again, I can't gush about this series too much more. What I'll say about your question about the overall series... I thought one of the things, I haven't really seen anyone talk about this. For me, what they were doing, they weren't only just referencing all the things, you know, lots of things that happen in the outside kind of, uh, outside of live action universe, you know, things from Clone Wars, Rebels, and what have you. They were kind of, they seemed to me to be homaging other sci-fi properties as well. So right from the first episode, you watch it, and, it's, and they bring in the crate Dragon, who was there in 1977. You just saw him in the background. Um, but you're like, ah, oh, that's Tremors. It's kind of a Tremors episode. And then you watch the next episode and you're like, oh, that's kind of like, you've got alien face huggers there. 
even this last episode, you're like, oh, it's a, it's a little bit Terminator, isn't it? So all the way through, I don't know if it was an intentional thing. Iron Man as well, I felt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, a little bit there. Yeah, I guess with with Mando. So I I think there were. I don't know if intentionally or just doing nods or, or what have you, but I thought it was fun to to watch all of that through. And what I'll say is, you know, season one, I really, really liked. It felt like Star Wars to me. And so I was really excited for the second season. But it's elevated that. So going from really liking the first season, I love this second season. Yeah, I'm with uh, Cousy and Dave. That uh, the second season was better. What about what about yourself, Scott? Oh, just to cycle back to what Dave was saying. Not only the reference is sci-fi, but they're just pop culture in general. I mean, when you have the reference of TPS reports when they're with the Imperials, and you got May- Mayfeld that said, "Oh yeah, I'll go file the TPS reports." I mean, they're kind of just doing these winks to pop culture. I mean, it's it's a little like Stranger Things is doing has been doing for years, where it's just you you get these. You know, like Gag said, it brings back your childhood. It brings back all these, you know, old memories. And, and that's what, you know, it, you love it because it just, it's all these little things, you know, like the score reminds you of this. I mean, it, it's pretty cool to have these callbacks. Um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed the season as a whole. I, I thought it was a step forward. I, I think after the first season was, okay, we, we kind of have an idea of where their place is in the Star Wars universe. Where are they going to go next? And now they've kind of, they just, it's like you know when you're playing a video game you have the first you know maybe world you're on and then you just you you get past the intro and now you have all these options of where you can go and you know it's going to be interesting to see you know how they set some of that up i i think the only thing is i didn't like on the season as a whole is i could have done without the frog lady although that's why i'm team grogu i don't care that he ate the eggs i thought she was annoying but i guess that was a way to get from point a to point b and uh, i guess the only thing i would have changed would have been I thought the animation with Luke was good initially, but if you go back and rewatch it, it's a little sketch, you know, after he lifts off his hood and you see him again. And to have that moment of resonance, I thought they could have, and that's the thing, I don't know if they're going to have Luke be a serious character going forward, but I think you should have, they should have had Sebastian Stan play the character. I mean, you know, he's Bucky Barnes, he's Winter Soldier from Marvel. He is a Mark Hamill doppelganger. You could have given yeah. him the Mark Hamill. Dorothy Hamill wig, you know, that bowl cut wig. And I think he could have played it to a T. And I and I think it's better than how they did it in Rogue One. I mean, Rogue One, they were really not breaching the uncanny valley. I mean, some of the, the CGI around Tarkin and, and Leia is pretty rough, but fine, you know, it's it's very quick. But to have this moment in, of, you know, emotional resonance, I think would have been better with Sebastian Stan. But Again, it's nitpicking. It still works, and it was still awesome. So I, I can't critique it too hard. But I think that I, I would have done it with with Sebastian. I think he would have done a better job. I agree. I actually thought it was Sebastian first before, whilst he was lifting up, and then I was like, "Oh shit, it's CGI." But because you said something similar to me, didn't you? In uh, in DMs, you said it was um, it could have been done a bit better. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it was my um my main sort of um criticism as well. I, I thought they they could have used Mark Hamill and and this made his face younger, similar to what um they did in um what was it um Avengers? Ant-Man. Yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. Same director as well, by the way, Peyton Reed. They made, same, same guy. Yeah. They, they shaved off about forty years off of Michael Douglas's face, and <laughs> they, it looked it looked it looked pretty good. <laughs> it did. So it, it was done. better. That was better. I agree. That wasn't too bad. And I think they did that when the Irishman with like Robert De Niro. I didn't see that. Yeah. But I heard some of the stills. About I saw some of the stills. I mean, I think that yeah. I, I completely agree. That would have been way better than just totally that CGI. That would have been it. better. 
definitely because it's such a as you said it's such an emotional scene and luke is got it just no, there's no emotion in his face and is is just cold really so it's sort of it's a bit of a conflict within the scene um so i'd much it, prefer that if they actually had you know mark himself um do the part not just the voice uh, and the so dialogue the felt a little clipped, didn't it? Because he didn't feel like, I mean, they kept it pretty simple. I mean, you they, would think that I if, think they if, had if Luke to, is because, showing up. Because yeah, they, they knew to. they, they, yeah. They had it to, was, they just had to keep it really brief. Like, how many words it was have? hard. It was hard <laughs> for him to, it didn't match up too much with the, with the lip movement. I think it the was a bit, yeah. yeah, it was a bit clunky. You know, that's what, that was the tough part for them to do, I suppose. Yeah. So I they, mean, they can Rob, improve on that, can't they? If he's coming back and I'm sure they'll be. They'll have a glimpse of him again when he's yeah. handing Grogu back, or he's saying bye to him at least. Unless yeah. Grogu you just, just gets he, changed and appears. But we'll get to that now. No. You just think he would have had a bigger conversation if you're Mando. He's like, he asked one question, are you a Jedi? Yes, I am. Okay, that's good for me. All right, you can take my guy. I mean, you think you would have had a little <laughs> bit more of like, what does this mean? little explanation. And I'm wondering whether they shot person. this scene, Scott, and didn't tell the cast that it was Luke. Because literally, all they need to know is that there's a Jedi there. Are you a Jedi? It doesn't need to be Luke, does it? No. Now it that is a good. I haven't thought about that. That's pretty good. Mm. They don't yeah, know it's Luke. that would Just that would make sense because that's how they keep it quiet, right? You have to keep the dialogue really, really simple. They just think it's Ahsoka, or they think it's someone else. They just think it's a Jedi. They yeah, don't know. They've got no idea who, who it's no going to be. They don't know yeah. Luke. Ah. No. Um, the only one who who might know who Luke is 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 Gideon. Um, yeah. He knew. He's he knew. She's knocked, she's knocked <laughs> yeah. him out. <laughs> yeah, and he's out. Yeah, he's out cold. <laughs> and actually, real um, quick about that, about Gideon's knowledge, I thought one cool thing they did this season is you got a little bit. You know, when you when you have stories like this, we see you know the Skywalker trilogy. We see it from the most important characters. You know, it's like when you watch a political show, you see the presidents and you see generals and things like that. You don't see just common people or common soldiers. And so, you know, at the start of the episode when Cara Dune and the Imperial pilot are kind of going back and forth and you can see the bad blood. It's about how do you view events of the galaxy or the world around you through a different lens? You know, from the Imperial side, these are terrorists, you know, from the the Republic side, you know, these are fascists. So you kind of get to see what Gideon knows of Luke Skywalker probably does know, like you guys said, they know him as this guy who destroyed everything they have could probably kill him. That's why he's like, I'll take my own life. So to kind of see, I mean, that just, you're breaching into the other parts of the universe and getting to see different experiences other than what you get in the movies, I thought was pretty cool. Absolutely. Dave, um, anything you didn't like? I'm not going to go as far as to say I didn't like it, but a, a friend of mine mentioned a, a point that, that has me conflicted, and I'd be interested in what you guys think about it. Hmm. He was saying that, they shouldn't have done the whole removing the helmet thing last week because I, I honestly, I thought that was great, a great episode last week as well, where, you know, you could see that Pedro Pascal, I thought, put in a masterful performance where, you know, he, he's basically Clint Eastwood, isn't he? You know, with the voice, yeah. he's in control of everything. Um, but when he takes his helmet off, he's such a fish out of water. He looks so vulnerable. Um, but because that happened last week, it didn't mean quite as much when he removed his helmet, you know, to say goodbye to Grogu this week. I think I think it was a pre-empting thing. I think last week was so important for him to take his helmet off because, in the, sorry, the, the seventh episode, mm-hmm. because if he didn't, 
he has no chance of getting the kid. Zero chance. I think the importance of it's your 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 identity or the kid. Show your face, which is the biggest no no for Manda for a Mandalorian, or you lose the kid. It's time now to choose. And he and it showed me where he places the importance of this kid and why he needs to bring this kid to where he needs to go, how it, it important it is to him. He doesn't have to give two shits if he doesn't want to. But yeah. what it shows is the connection between the two is so strong now that he is making, he is doing things that he wouldn't do for anyone. And in season one, he showed that he wouldn't do it in front yeah. of anyone. He would wait for them to turn around or whatever that, you know, the other stuff. So basically for me, it was brilliant. I think it was brilliant. And then the last scene was to show Grogu his face who he'd never done before. So he had to, he had to show him because one day, he needs that kid needs a connection to him as his he's like his father figure now. He got to see who's under the mask if it there's was that love, like the moment know? in Return of the Jedi, wasn't it? You know, yeah, move, at the end this yeah, mask. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah Vader, Vader just, taking his mask off. Absolutely, mate. That's uh that's something no one's done yet or thought about. It's another little link to that to to, to what's happened, you know, already. And I, I just thought very, very important for him to show basically how do they, how can they get across? This is one of the things again stated in that documentary. The biggest problem was how do they show a connection between two things that they can't show emotion for too much? Mm-hmm. How the hell do they do it? It's literally almost impossible, but they've managed it. But that scene in the seventh episode gives you, you know, gives you something where bloody hell this is massive for him so and then in the final episode it's just all about emotion isn't it it's all about saying bye and when he says the last few words he says to him we're gonna meet again i promise that was enough for me i was like right that's it he's promised we're getting more grogu (laughs) because a lot of people were worried is that is that the end of grogu nah he's promised he's gonna see him again so something's (laughs) gonna happen i think because he said to me that could be the end of grogu i was like nah because they can't end Grogu. Grogu's their flipping meal ticket for 40 years. This kid, this guy's going to live 800 years. They could do series that outlive us. Disney know how to make a few quid, so I, I think we're going to see a bit more of him. A bit more? <laughs> I reckon yeah. and shit. I honestly do. It's gonna they got to make a lot of money off toys and everything. I mean, I got two girls. Yeah. We bought both of them a baby Grogu, and they're going to put them in their stockings. You know, So, I mean, it's... It's one of those things you, they have to. He's the golden goose right now. I mean, he's as popular as anybody <laughs> in the series. So they now that'll be the next question is, you know, what does that mean? You know, is he going to go away for a little while? Is it going to be like a brand in Game of Thrones? We're not going to see him for a whole se- season. Um, that's the, that's I don't the think so. I highly doubt that. Further. Yeah, I highly doubt that uh, he I, just I disappears think... for a season. But he's going to be off no. screen a lot. I'd be surprised <laughs> if he's back in the next season. Um, I think he'll be towards the end. You know that they they bring him back. I think. I, I don't know whether you guys agree. I've, I've just read something from Bree Stallis Howard as well, saying, because um, she was asked a question afterwards, after the, the finale, and she said, how long can we do the, the, the Goo Goo Gaga? You know, that, that, I don't know how she worded it, but how long can you go with the same cooing Grogu? You know, how long do we do that? There has to be a decision made as to when you progress a character that you've made that's so good to the next level. You know, to the next stage of where they get to. So, 
whether that's small words being said instead of, you know, instead of cooing. But point is, there has to be an evolution of the character for this thing to keep going, to keep moving. Uh, and, 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 I, and I agree. And I think that's what comes to the next part. Dave, did you have anything to say on that bit? I, I was just going to say, I, I want to see at some point uh, a young cheeky Grogu uh, corrupting a young impressionable Ben Solo <laughs> and being part of the uh, creation of Kyle, Kylo Ren. That would be interesting. Because <laughs> they're, be they're at the same Jedi school. So. Yeah, it depends yeah. on whether he's in a, year's few, a few years before or after. Yeah. Well, this is about 20 years before uh, Force Awakens, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. around that time zone. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's around that. It's like, it's like 20, 25, 30. So, so it's somewhere like in that zone. Years. Yeah, I mean, this seems like the setup of maybe the Jedi Academy. You know, maybe this went on for a while. So maybe we'll get some of that if they decide to make Luke a character. I mean, that was always kind of what I was curious about because you know mandalorian they they said this takes place in an established timeline and when you have events that happen after happen after it can constrict you i mean because you know grogu is not in the sequel movies so is he alive then is he off you know ahsoka is around and she has great resonance even though she doesn't appear in any of the movies but she's still alive you know so there can be explanations for that so that's the route that i hope they'll take is you know this is a guy that they can take you know for years to come and he can be you know a really become one of the tentpole characters of the whole franchise but they're gonna have to find a way to keep him around because people want to see him but you know just from a narrative standpoint it's kind of hard to say hey he's off with luke he's training but you're not going to you know, you can't see him every week because of that. Yeah, I mean, he sat on a rock for like 10 minutes and ended up throwing, uh, you know, stormtroopers around in a room. So yeah. <laughs> that's how quickly he got trained with it? that. <laughs> oh, but what, what about the fact that we found out that Grogu was there when Order 66 was given? So Order 66, when all the clones killed yes. off all the Jedi. I was like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, they snuck him out. That's That's crazy. They so that's him out of the temple before before yep. um, Anakin got there, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe yep. they'll show us yeah. that. Maybe there'll be a flashback. You know, maybe we'll get some of that at, you know, in one of the other series. With Yoda, with Yoda putting him putting him on a boat or something, or a ship. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not a boat. <laughs> going to Game of Thrones now, aren't they? <laughs> Hey, they were boat. on a boat earlier in the season when they went to the water planets or Trask. They did, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that leads up to what comes next. And let's talk about um, Mando. I like to call him Mando. Um, so, you know, does he join up with uh, Bo-Katan to retake and resettle Mandalore? Or, you know, is there a battle coming, Cuzzy? Because um, from where I stand, I, I in that in that last scene, Bo-Katan was coming across a little bit negative character to me. Well, she's pissed off because her, um, her in her eyes, her destiny is a bit ruined now. Um, she gave, she, I mean, she said, you know, Gideon, leave Gideon to me, and um, she so she wasn't able to to, to claim to claim the the dark saber in in the way that she needed to to sort of lay claim to being to being leader. Um, so yeah, she's um, understandably pissed off, but I can't see her. Um, fight or having a battle with um with Mando just for the sake of it, so it's um it's going to be interesting to see how they develop that. Um, so there's going to be a bit of a bit of awkwardness between them. <laughs> we could we could say, um, but I think in in terms of um in terms of Mando himself, I, I think he's got unfinished business with um 
with his own clan, really, the um, Children of the Watch. I think he's going to need to sort of um, understand more about his own origin, um, you know, what, you know, the um, Children of the Watch, what, what's the leader of it called? The, the Armourer, is it? that the um, And there's just the two of them now, isn't there? The Armourer and, um, and Mando himself, that's part of that clan now. So I can see him going back to her and, and, and trying to get some answers as to, you know, um, their sect, their cult, um, how they differ from the sort of mainstream Mandalorians and whatnot. So I think he's got a bit more to sort of identify and find out before he would have any interest in wanting to, you know, team up with Bo-Katan or even lead, you know. Absolutely. my take on it. Absolutely, because they, 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 that, that was hinted when she, she met him, Bo-Katan. Now nah, we're not like you. What are you on about? You know, she kind of like just ridiculed him. <laughs> what are you exactly. Out? And yeah. as, as far as he's concerned, what he's been taught is Mandalore. So she's yeah. coming with a completely different sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, and he might not necessarily agree with, with, with her or what, you know, the, the Mandalorians left on Mandalore, that their sort of way of life. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpick there. Absolutely. Um, and Dave, anything uh, anything on what Cousy uh, just said there? Yeah, so I do think, I, I don't know, do I, do I spoil it? Well, we, we, you guys know that obviously in this series, um, Moff Gideon is, uh, you know, in possession of the Darksaber. At the end of Rebels, Bo-Katan's got that. Now, Sabine Wren, another Mandalorian, um, actually had the Darksaber for a while and, and just gave it to Bo-Katan. So I'm not sure if there's something in that or it's just a little inconsistency. But I think they've got to team up, haven't they? They've got to somehow resolve this thing where, you know, she can actually take the Darksaber. And at the moment, in this continuity, the or at this point in time where we are, um, the Empire are, are running Mandalore, so they're going to have to take that back. So I, I'm thinking that we're going to see him kind of teaming up and then at some point, like you guys have said, later in the season, Grogu might might come back there. But um, no, whatever it is, just inject it all straight into my veins. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for all of it. Scott, so what do you think, uh, what role Luke play next? It'll be interesting to see if they do try and make Luke a character. If they do, I think they have to go the Sebastian Stan route. And, you know, it's funny because sometimes, you know, fans, you know, this is all just fan conjecture and fan servicing and ha-ha. But, you know, when you speak these things, they come into existence. I mean, it's kind of what happened with Rosario Dawson and Ahsoka. I mean, I, I believe, you know, people thought, oh, she'd be great to play it. I think she expressed, you know, interest in doing it. And it happened. And now it's like, yeah, she was pretty great as Ahsoka. And now she's going to have her own series. So. Some of these things, yeah, sometimes you think, oh, it makes too much sense on paper, but it makes sense for a reason. He's a terrific actor. He's already under the, you know, he already has done stuff for Disney properties, looks exactly like him. You know, you couldn't really draw it up any better. So I think that maybe that would be you know, a way to go is to bring him in. And, you know, part of what the show is doing is it, it's, it's, it's the connective tissue. It's giving us a little bit more of this world. It's giving us more of this universe and this timeline. One of the things that I think was so problematic with the sequel trilogies we, we just didn't have a lot of explanation how did the first order come about what's everybody been doing what does the universe look like it was just a jump well this is the opportunity to show some of those things that led up to that you know it's one of the great things about i haven't seen all of Clone wars but things i have seen are things of rebels is you're connecting 
movies. You're connecting things we've seen before together and filling in the backstory. So maybe we'll get the early Jedi Academy. Maybe we'll get first order type stuff. Maybe you'll see the seeds of, you know, what came about in force awakens. I think maybe that would be the best way to, to keep Luke involved, but also keep Grogu around. I personally think they should just focus on Grogu with Luke and don't have anything about the, the new trilogy, because I hope one day they wipe those out and make them again with, with the Favreau and co to be honest, and, and just wipe them off the, the, the star Wars slate. Cause no one likes them. Um, I agree. I wish I could. Hey, put us put yeah. season eight of Game of Thrones on that list of two. It thinks we're just going to remake and it makes yeah. better while we're at it. Redo it, rewrite it. Fuck this. Yeah. So I, I hope they don't touch any of the. You know, I mean, yeah, linking it together would be good, but I think they, I think they should just try and um, go a different way with this and and focus on Grogu. I think they've created something there. They've linked him with Luke. Um, if they can get away with you know, the, the the Kylo Ren stuff without that, or at least maybe have them as friends or something. Uh, and maybe Kylo Ren, young Kylo Ren, just turning into Kylo at the start is, it, 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 it maybe that comes in instead. A young Kylo versus Grogu is where they go, something like that. I don't want it to go any further than that, to be honest. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I don't want it to go anywhere else. Um, that would be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, and all that, so maybe, maybe, but again, if they don't go there and Grogu's a few years before Kylo, that's fine by me too. And it, and it just gets trained up, and then he's on his adventures with with the the Mandalorian. Let's see what they do. But I, I don't, I'm not sure if Favreau and Filoni will want to mix with the new the new trilogy stuff too much. To be honest, if they don't have to, I mean, it's so it's still way in the future. I don't think yeah. they have to knit everything yeah. up and fill and fill the entire gap. Just, no. I don't think it's necessary. No. no, they can just leave things open, can't they? That there is a academy there, and there is training going on, and maybe they can just make a mention of you know Ben Solo, but that's it. They don't have to do anything else. They don't have to do anything else at all, and I hope they don't because I don't think it deserves the the, the mentions really anymore. I want to I want to see Ben um, Ben Solo turn dark, but that can be done in, in in its own. In its it's it doesn't have to be linked with Mandalorian. For, for no. me, it, it could be done in a movie. It could be done um, in an animated season. But I, I just, I would like to see that story, just yeah. how it, how it went from, you know, how, how we turned so dark, how we got to the place because we got, we got the reveal with, um, with Anakin, and mm. that was done over a course of, of films, as we know. It'd be, it'd be good to see how, how, um, how, how, how Ben turned. Um, I think they have to do some from... linking. Yeah, they, they yeah. had to do something because they made the choice. You know, we talked about which Jedi could have been the one to come, you know, that heard the call from Grogu when he you know sat on the stone and sent out the beacon. They made a choice as to which Jedi that was going to be. And that has implications. It just seems like it would be. It would lack depth and it would be kind of out of place with some, you know, how they're layering everything to say, all right, we're going to have Luke Skywalker come and take Grogu, but you're not really going to get any more of the Luke Skywalker Jedi backstory. I mean, you make a specific choice in doing that unless, you know, there is some storyline where for some, whatever reason, Grogu and the Jedi part ways and, you know, he goes back to Mando. Maybe you do it that way, but making that choice to give us Luke Skywalker and introduce him into the series it just seems like I, I would be more surprised if you didn't, we didn't get a little well, maybe bit more depth never, in that regard. Maybe he never finishes his training. He gets trained to a certain point, you know, like some do, and and he has to do it on his own after that, and he he, he has to go to help yeah. 
Mando, who knows? Who knows? Because so I actually, I actually think because it's going to be yeah. the other way around going forward. Mando is the one who's going to get saved because he's been saving the kid. In the future, it's going to be the kid saving his ass. <laughs> See, my theory is com- my theory is completely different from you from you guys. I think I don't think we I don't think we're going to get any more Luke. That's just my sort of my take on it. I think yeah, me too. I don't think I I, don't think, I, I think they brought him in there just just to basically as as a as a apology and <laughs> to, to fans <laughs> right of 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 how they fucked up the character in in the sequel um in the sequel trilogy. I think that was their way of of repairing that. Um and so now the um your your overriding memory of Luke is not him chucking the lightsaber over his shoulder or or drinking the milk from that alien. <laughs> it's it's now it's now it's now of him sort of destroying um um dark troopers and you know saving the day and and, and walking off into the lift with with uh, with Grogu. I think that's I think that's all we're going to get from Luke because I think it's going to be a bit weird to have CGI Luke in this and then say Sebastian standing in in a follow up series. Um, I don't know. It's just 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 my take really. I'd be surprised if we had any more any more Luke in um in in further series unless it's just it like the weird snippet. Luke, does it? It doesn't train him. It doesn't have to be Luke. There'll be other Jedi's there. Maybe he's trained a few up. How do we know? Who knows? There could be. They could explain a lot of things that he's connected with a few people up. Who knows? I it's a good shout. Jedi's... Sorry, Go ahead, I, I think the Jedi's might come more into it with the Ahsoka Tano series. Yeah. So when um when we had the Ahsoka um episode, you know, she she asked, you know, where where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? And I thought, oh, that's it. When we're talking about going and meeting a Jedi, I thought that that's it. It's going to be Ezra Bridger. But no, of course, that you know, a couple of weeks later, they're actually announcing that she's going to have her own series. So I set it up. Yeah. Speculation wise, I would be pretty confident that Ezra's going to turn up in that series along with I'd, yeah. Admiral Thrawn. I'd, I'd expect to see Thrawn and, and Ezra in that show yeah. series, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I don't know. I just get vibes from you know, it's sort of like I said. I mentioned Bran in Game of Thrones. You know, and he with the Three Eyed Raven. They changed that actor that was the three-eyed raven he went away for a while and came back they could do stuff maybe maybe the cgi is a placeholder they don't expect luke to be a major character of the show at least for the immediate future but you know they're gonna have to explain how grogu gets from back and forth and if you know if he's under the protection of luke skywalker it's gonna take something something radical for him to to get away but um yeah i mean it, it'll be interesting to see how they do that, but I, I th- again, I, th- I think one of the things they're doing is connecting the story to the the broader world, and it's still going to be heavily focused on the Western depends. theme and the adventure of the week. But we'll see. I, I think it's all going to depend on how long you know the time frame is of the Battle of Mandalore again, and the the Book of Boba Fett, and how much they expand on the time of all that. If it's two, three years, you know that 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 spans, then that'll make sense. But we won't know that anyway. We'll see what they do and how they do it. So. It'll be interesting. Um, we've talked about really uh, Grogu's role here a little bit. Everybody, if things are going to happen, it's, we've also talked maybe who's going to be the new villain. I think there's maybe somebody that we haven't seen yet at the moment, maybe Bo Katan. But um, it's going to be interesting to find out what happens there. Okay, moving away then from that, uh, the Mandalorian status in, in pop culture. Now, has it replaced Cuzzy? Has it replaced Got as the new monoculture show? With a wide audience and major discussion, I don't get the sense that it does. Um, 
I think Game of Thrones. This, this. I don't know if it's because of Game of Thrones was on Sky and and also um, HBO, so it's 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 more accessible. I mean, how many subscribers has Disney Plus got? I, I don't know, but um, I just get the sense that Game of Thrones is a is a much bigger sort of thing within pop culture than 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 Star Star Wars. For me, seems to be a bit more of a not a not a niche because it's huge, you know. The films make billions, but eighty-six million subscribers now. Disney Plus. Well, that, that's that's a lot. Um, <laughs> Game of Thrones. It 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 just seemed with Game of Thrones. It like every generation spoke about it. Um, like for example, from my mum's generation down to yeah, like, your kids, your kids, yeah, yeah, you know, um, like this. Everyone was just on the Game of Thrones thing, and I I just don't get the same. I don't get the same sense that that's be, the Man- Mandalorian is being discussed in in sort of the same way. So, um, it replacing Game of Thrones, I'd probably say no. Um, whether or not it's the biggest thing at the moment, you've got um, Stranger Things in the notes there. I think I, that's probably would you would you say that's bigger right now? No, um, no. I, I think know. the Star Wars world is bigger, and there's people that now are watching the Clone Wars because of the Mandalorian. Yeah, I've, the I've Man- spoken Mandalorian to so many people in, in itself, though. That, Mandalorian no, itself, rather than the yeah. wider Star Wars, but Mandalorian itself as a series, you think is bigger than Stranger Things at the moment? I don't know. It's a tough one, isn't it? I, I just think, think I just, from, I just think the bigger. Star Wars world is so big, though, because he, yeah, it's massive. Star yeah. Wars as a brand is bigger than Stranger Things as a brand, as a brand, yeah. I'd and say I think so, everyone who's watching, everyone is involved now in Mandalorian. Everyone with the Star Wars, you know, with that love for Star Wars or that link to it is watching this show one way or another, you know. And and now that Sky is offering deals as well of Disney Plus add-ons because you can have the app inside, you know, yeah. that type of stuff's going to help, isn't it? You know, they do it with Netflix. You know, I've joined, yeah. I, I've cancelled my Netflix and gone through Sky because it's cheaper. They yeah. save me a few quid a month. Do you get what I mean? So, yeah. That that then you can use it online, but you can use it through your Sky app, and I think Sky is doing that with um with I think Amazon's coming through Sky now as well, uh, and also uh, Disney Plus is already there. So they want you know things like that are going to start making it more accessible in that in that digital space where they've got on Sky Q. So um, I understand why you're saying it, but I do think that's mm. going to I think because it's Star Wars, it's bigger than Stranger Things. I know what you're saying, Stranger Things Network yeah. Netflix is fucking huge, but. Yeah. I just think because uh, it's Star Wars and also pe- pirating it. People are pirating this show, dude, massively. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so, so, I wonder yeah. how how big um, Game of Thrones was um, until maybe a lesser extent Stranger Things uh, in the Far East, because you know China is a massive market. Yeah, and yeah, Star Wars yeah. isn't Star Wars isn't big in China. No, um, I wonder what it's like in is that Stranger, part of the world. Is Stranger Things big there? I don't. I have no idea. No, neither me. me no neither. idea. A Game of Thrones. I would imagine it's big out there, but. I don't have any evidence to back that up. It's just I'm just sort of speculating, really. It took Game um, of Thrones a few seasons to to really come to the fore in in terms yeah, of pop culture as well. That's didn't true. It? Sort of three and four, season three and four. I, I think that's when everyone was like starting to talk about it. Red Wedding you know, was the one. Yeah, you, you've yeah, got Red to Wedding. watch this. They just no one's safe, and and that's when it dominates the office talk and everything. Like, yeah, that's why Game yeah. of Thrones was was the one of the best shows ever made, and probably will be because every episode you expected my favorite's not going to last. They yeah. built it in such a way, <laughs> whereas in this one, you don't have the worry because Disney's going to want to yeah. hold on to its money, right? 
Whereas Game of Thrones knew there's it's a book, there's a there's a point where we gotta get to where it's gonna end, it's not gonna go further than this. We're not gonna do spin-offs and whatever, we're gonna do prequels or whatever, but we won't go spin. So you were fearing at any given point that one of your especially when the new book's not out yet and you've gone past that, you're in season seven or eight, you're thinking shit. You know, any once, point someone's gonna once, die. Once Ned Stark got got executed, I was like, Oh shit, like <laughs> Yeah, everything was on then, and then but after it, the red wedding, it was like, Well, this is just on edge now. thinking fucking anything can happen, exactly. Um, then they screwed the pooch, didn't they? Because you know, it didn't uh, the main characters like series seven and eight, it, it didn't seem to matter what they did, they could be you know overrun by zombies or anything, and the main characters would always survive. So they the did kill a few they, off at times, though, they did kill a few people whenever something happened, somebody was yeah. dying. But it wasn't the major ones, you're right. Yeah, still feared it though. Yeah, the problem was is that the right the the the, um, the TV series went past the books, and when that when that happened, yeah, you know they had to they had to more rely on you know screenwriting and stuff like that, which is not going to be as good as um what's his name J R Martin's his his actual George his R. R. Martin, yeah, George R. R. Martin, yeah, yeah, and, and you can you can the quality in the in the writing you can you can you can see the fall off when it gets when it goes past the books. I I still think it's fantastic, but you know I can see um I can see how legitimate the gripes are in those final couple couple series. But mm-hmm. I think after your favorite characters get butchered, I I didn't I didn't quite mind the um the happy endings <laughs> and and your new favorites actually lasting to the end. I think Pedro's playing it really well as well, by the way. I think he's, he's awesome. He's awesome, man. He's done such a yeah. good job and he deserves this role, man. He's done some good stuff, but this is going to make his life, I think. Um, I think we've covered a lot of the other stuff that we have on this agenda, but if there's anything else, guys, you want to speak about before we finish? Um, yeah, real quick. Wanna, I, go on, then. Go we'll go with Scott first. We'll go with Scott first, yeah. Yeah, just to, to tie a bow on the last conversation, I, I think the comparisons are twofold. You know, we don't, the reason why I, I brought this up is, you know, is the Mandalorian the new hot conversation pieces? Because, you know, as time has gone on, we, we watch TV different. It's not like the old days where everybody had five channels and you're watching MASH or you're watching Seinfeld or Friends or things like that, or, or even Lost, you know, where it was limited options. Now we have all these more options everybody's watching different stuff so it's hard to get every you know a large amount of people's attention and that's why you know game of thrones stepped into the you know that was one of the, when it hit its crescendo it's this is something week to week episodes everybody's talking about and it becomes you know such a huge part of pop culture and you know when i remember gags when we we did our our game of thrones wrap up pod you know we one of our questions was well, what's going to fill the void you know i thought well maybe stranger things maybe westworld westworld never got there I mean, it was only a few months later that Mandalorian came out. And now you have something tied to IP that's 40 plus years old. You know, one thing about Game of Thrones is, you know, it is an adult audience, you know, so you can't have kids into it. This is something of everybody of all ages can watch. My mom asked me if she should watch Mandalorian. She's like, oh, I have Disney. I'm thinking about watching. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you should. So I think that this can breach you know, or, or, or span multiple generations and to have a week to week episode you know, that people are talking about and it's stirring up all these old feelings. I, I think that I don't know of anything hotter than this right now. Plus, it's something you can either watch casually, like people did Game of Thrones, like, oh, dragons are cool, or baby Grogu is cool, you know, cool. 
Or you can do it like we're doing now, which we love the mythology. We love the universe. We love the wider narratives. So to have, there aren't many shows that do that where you can watch it, just pick it up and have fun with it. Or if you want to sit down and go check out other stuff like Clone Wars or books or things like that. And, and, it, and it makes an entirely different experience. So I, yeah, I don't know of anything that's even close to that right now. I think it's got to be Mandalorian. And just the fact that now it's so popular that it's creating spinoffs of itself. I mean, that's how big it's gotten. Absolutely. We we just discussed those um, spin-offs and how cool that'll be. Dave, what was your point going to be? Yeah, so I, I was going to say uh, not quite exactly the same thing. I, I think this can be that Game of Thrones level, but I think it needs to hit it out of the park for another season or two. I think... The the problem with us as Star Wars fans, we're a little bit like the Mandalorians. We're we're kind of we've got our own different clans and different factions and what have you. You've got the OG crowd, you've got the prequels lot, you've got the younger people who actually don't mind all the sequels, you know. And and I think it's going to take a long time to bring across all of that legacy. There's going to be a lot of people who who just unless there's a lot of word of mouth, are, are just not going to go near this because it's. You know, it's Star Wars, and I watched Phantom Menace, and it was crap. You know, or, or some some attitude like that. But I think if it has another season at this level again, where it can satisfy a newcomer, you know, you just watch it, and it's kind of like a space western, isn't it? It's got a bit of a Firefly sort of feel at times. Um, but also satisfying us. And it, it's almost as if it pays you off. If you've read some of the comics, if you've watched Clone Wars and Rebels, it gives you more, but you, it doesn't. It's not a barrier. It doesn't stop you from watching it and enjoying it. And so, again, another season like this, and it will get up there. But, I, but I agree. I don't think it's quite there just yet. Nope, totally agree with that as well. Not there just yet, but you know, it's totally different as well. It's more. This was fan service. That it's absolute unlimited best for me, cousy. I thought this season two, yeah, absolutely, yep. And, and I think we um, we needed it. <laughs> yeah, we did. I think um, I think a twenty twenty as itself, this could be yeah. a really good way of lifting people. Because for me, that I was buzzing the whole weekend, and then Liverpool scored fucking seven, so I was buzzing. <laughs> I was proper buzzing that weekend. Anyway, I didn't know what it was, whether it was the the music of Luke Skywalker turning up, the the Grogu, and um, and uh, you know. Uh, and the Mandalorian farewell, or or Boba Fett series, and was, I don't know what it was, but I was buzzing. And I think in this day and age, where we are right now, I think a bit of fan service was was required to boost uh-huh. a portion of the world that loves this genre and this 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 thing. I think I think I think it was a really good move to to make it a such a touching and happy, you know, something so epic for people at the end of the year. I really do. And hats off to, to them for playing it so well. And I, I wouldn't mind some heartache, to be honest, um, from Mandalorian in the future, because those are the, to be honest, those are the best shows. Those are the best yeah. shows that make the hard decisions and the big decisions. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what they do, do they do going forward and how much they link up with the future films. Like we've discussed how much... It's going to happen with all the the spin-offs. What we can say is that we're in for a treat because for geeks, over the next few months and a couple of years, we have something like, you know, 
20, 30 projects from Lucasfilm and Marvel coming through. And I haven't even counted any DC ones yet, but all of this stuff is happening and it's going to be at our fingertips on, on, you know, through our TVs, majority of it, because that's just TV stuff that I've talked about. It's just unbelievable amount of content coming. I think the next one's, um, there's Wonder Woman coming out on the 25th on Christmas Day. And then there's, uh, what was it? Because he was talking about WandaVision. WandaVision's coming out. All the Marvel stuff is coming in 2021. The movies that they've sat on, the shows that they've sat on, and then Star Wars. Yeah. They need to open the cinemas. (laughs) I need to get back in the theater. Yeah. How are they going to do it? I don't know. I just, I really, I really miss it. The last, the last thing I was, I went to see was Tenet. Yeah, yeah we're gonna have to start wearing, we're gonna have to start wearing white visors, aren't we? In the cinema, I was in, I was in full PPE watching Tenet. Oh my and god! It was just, it was, it was me, and there was a couple, and maybe four rows behind me, and that was it in the theater. <laughs> yeah, because no one's in it. Movie, cozy. I, I went to see Bloodshot <laughs> with Vin Diesel, and that was a horrendous movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! My memory. <laughs> well, last movie I saw. Bloodshot. I tell you that much for nothing. But yeah, let's hope that what's being produced out there, then with the time they've had, extra time they've had, is really good and and, and prolongs the stories that they're trying to produce. But for geeks out there, this pod, Buzz podcast is really mainly aimed at the geeks out there. There's yeah. a lot of content coming, and uh, we're very lucky to have that coming uh, as well. So. um I am sure the four of us will get together more often and, and, and cover some of those shows if, if you get the time, guys. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. We could Love do it. one when you finish watching Rebels. Absolutely. Would be good. Yeah. We could do a Rebels one. If you're, if think, you're um, I've, I've, they've, I've, they've gave you some spoilers, but hopefully you forget about them once you're watching me. I'm going to finish Rebels, and I'm telling you guys, I don't know if you played the video games, but Rogue Squadron, they're going to do a movie. It's going to be like Top Gun in Star Wars combined. I can't wait. I think that's going to be, that's my pick for the best thing that's going to come up. I think it's going to be awesome. It's not going to be for a few years, but I think that's something to really look forward to. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Dave, Cuzzy and Scott. That was great. A bumper, bumper episode after a couple of years of this pod being out of action. We're back with a bang. And I think our appetite is wet for what's coming in the next couple of years. So I'm sure you'll get a few more of these uh, over the coming months. We'll try and get together and discuss them as long as, you know, Liverpool aren't playing every three days. That may put a bit of a spanner in the work. So if there's any gaps, I'm sure we'll try and fill them. But uh, thank you so much for listening. And um, thank you to you guys as well for for doing the show. And thanks, Scott, for the agenda. Uh, Very, very good. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch you very, very soon on Buzz.
Social Podcast Network.